be Cloverfield <laughs> in the outfield. It's the Kaiju League. June 9, 2021, this is Rare Encounter, Encounter number 48. Dodging the Windows update, losing packets along the way, I'm Abel Kirby. And melting like a wicked witch, I'm Cold Acid. Man, this is the show that never starts. This is great. But we had uh, we had some revelations uh, right before we started the show about different uh, techniques we might try and use to, <laughs> to, uh, to mitigate our, uh, our connection problems now. Yeah, one of them might be not use clean feed. Yeah, this is a, this is a breaking news. Uh, just from our preliminary analysis, we think a clean feed might be uh, some of the culprit of some of our audio issues. Hmm, hmm, something to think about. Ah, uh, well. And as I think about all my network issues, I have to do the one thing that improves your proficiency with computers. And open a just beer. improves your proficiency <laughs> with life. <laughs> yeah. So what did you bring today? Oh, I brought a can of uh, this beer. Uh, is it Utica Club? I actually went and found the pronunciation because I didn't know how to say it. So here's Utica. Utica Club, uh, which is a beer from uh, upstate New York, I suppose. I had a friend gave me a case of it uh, for uh, for uh, basically for gas money. Uh, I wonder if it's while, ever heard yeah. of steamed hams. What's steamed hams? No, that, that'd be more of that's more of an Albany thing. Mm. But uh, it's kind of like uh, he described it as not very good, but he drinks it anyway. And uh, I don't think it's that bad. It tastes like the yep. stuff I drink, so it's a, I guess it's a good fit. And what do you have well, me, over there? I got my streetcar cider. Mm. The streetcar. Queen Street 501. Yep. Which I have brought on the show and mentioned in the past. I've got a lot of, uh, lot of geographic beers here. You have that, and I, I actually have a backup. Um, I'm not probably gonna, not going to drink this on the show. I don't know. You have a backup for the backup too. Yeah, I also saw a. Uh, I like the Kraken um, rum, and I think a, a couple of people around the our, our little community have said that same sort of thing. They like the Kraken rum, but they have a limited edition out, and I'm such a sucker for this crap. So I went and got the uh, limited edition. Me ass. The Kraken attacks Maryland, and uh, it has the Kraken, you know, uh, with some illustrations on the front of it. it Presumably attacking Maryland. It's hard to see what it, what it's supposed to be hitting there, but they're running a, a special where they have a bunch of different states have the Kraken attacks New York, the Kraken attacks New Jersey, you know that kind of stuff. With customized labels. It's kind of fun. Well, since we're talking about uh, since we're talking about New York and Maryland and all of that, I noticed you had something in your notes about migration in america <laughs> we will follow them to the gates of hell yeah um this was something i there's a lot of topics on the show that are just kind of sort of stuff we didn't get to over the last couple episodes we're finally catching up this is one that i i saw a while ago um there was the um 2020 population data was released some time ago, and there was a number of reports on it that showed, here's the population in 2020, and usually the way they framed it is, the population in 2020, and then here's the percent change from uh, from 10 years ago. And I was looking at it, and it doesn't really account for the fact that there's um, that there is a net growth of, uh, sort of, there's, a, there's an average increase in population that happens all across the country, and 
you know, some of the conclusions that they were drawing from it, I don't know. I don't think they were supporting They think people were just being pundits. And anyway, I got a little annoyed at it, and I, I decided that the uh, right thing to do is take the population change um, and then find the mean population change for all uh, states and then subtract that from the data set and resort it and see what it looks like and try and get a um, a uh, basically an excess migration uh, or maybe excess population growth. And so we have above the mean and below the mean states uh, for who, who gained more people versus who lost more people than average. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a fun chart. I put it in the put it in the notes so you can see it. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. And, you know, it's 50, 50 lines long. But there's a couple that had some pretty interesting um, uh, numbers on here. One was Utah, where if you look at the um, percent change, you know, it has a higher percent change. And so it was like, oh, this is where everyone's moving. But if you if you sort it, it's actually I think it's only fifth or sixth on the list in terms of. Uh, how many? What the excess population changes, and so uh, I don't know. It's it's a it's a table you can look at and try and analyze and try and draw some conclusions from. I, I uh, I'm not going to instruct uh, everyone in ha- and how to do that analysis, but I did like. Well, all I see is Texas is still number one. Yeah, <laughs> Texas had not only a, it didn't have the h- highest percent um, population change, but it has the highest excess change in thousands. So it has over 250, uh, 2,500 uh, excess uh, people showed up in the state. Then that's, you know, yep. accounting for the average population changes that already happened. So, you know, that's uh, maybe a little different way to slice the data. Um, Puerto Rico now, the was... The one that I'm looking for, too, is because we keep hearing, oh, California is going to lose some congressional seats in the next, uh, in the next, like redistricting and i'm trying to find it on the list here oh yeah it's um not at the bottom but it's pretty close to it uh you know they had a they they there there it is they're slightly below average if you look at the um the the total numbers you know the unadjusted numbers it looks like california's you know completely bonkers but it's they're about one percent below the average population change Um, yeah they still they still grew by a little over six percent. Yeah, but in terms of but compared to everybody yeah. else, when you yeah when you compare to the rest of the country, yeah they're under the average. The, so it makes sense that they'll lose seats because they're not adding any new ones. Yep, and it's not a particularly small as a percent change in, in population. It's not particularly significant. The one that is is Puerto Rico. <laughs> Puerto Rico is, is yeah, a huge wow. outlier. Nobody wants to live in Puerto Rico anymore. No. And then the other net growth, which showed up um, it, with a high percent, but it doesn't actually have a lot of thousands. Oh, I, I said these numbers were people. The it's, potato state. The potato state. It was actually, uh, oh, where's the number right here? Idaho. It was a plus 10% change uh, after mean subtraction. So it's um, yep. pretty cool. And just imagine if the greater Idaho thing takes place, just imagine how much more it will grow too. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to plant more potatoes. Oh, yeah. Yep. A lot more potatoes. And finally, Orida. Look, Orida is the Oregon-Idaho potato company. If they steal some land from, uh, from uh, well, I guess they're going to take it from Washington, aren't they? Hmm. I was thinking maybe they could make a state called Orida, but maybe that's not going to, that's not in the cards, I guess. Hmm. Well, I, Idaho, like the greater Idaho movement, they're even looking at, uh, they're even looking at like some of the northernmost uh 
uh, some of the northernmost counties in California. <laughs> yeah. If you look at their maps, it's like if the greater Idaho happens in the way that they're predicting and hoping for, Idaho will be a coastal state itself. You know, I can make a, a map that shows my property boundary extends past the city of, uh, of Baltimore, you know. If I, I can make yeah, that map. Yeah, doesn't mean it's fucking happening. I can make that map, man. Let's get... It has to be official, so someone like Sir Matt has to make the map. If we can get him to make the Greater Idaho map, then I think it's official. My maps! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Hey, have we... We haven't had a new episode of that uh, that show in a while, have we? Maps with... No, we haven't. Let me check I think in. it's time to start the counter again. Uh, well, we, uh, we might have to. So we had February 21st yeah. was his last episode, episode four or so. Well, uh, maybe I'll put that right, in the so how uh, many days episode. has it been since then? Okay, there's 31 days in <laughs> January, and then 20, 21st of of February means right. that adds up to that adds up to. <laughs> Do you want my brain's not working? Do you want to know? 52. 52. So, 52nd day of the year. <laughs> what day of the year is it today? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, I said at the beginning of the show. It's June 9th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the day of the that's the day of the month. We're talking like which day of the year? I There's 365 care. of them, you know. Yeah, I know. What you want to know the secret is that I never do it myself. It's a, it's been 108 days. I I always use timeanddate.com to find that out. Uh, okay. So I don't have to do the calculation. But 108 it's days. Well, there's a there's a loaded number. That's a magic number, apparently. To Buddhists. To Buddhists. What's the significance yeah, of 108? it's a Buddhist magic number. It's like they're 33. Oh. Yeah. You know, I was reading a little bit about, um, it was, uh, I think it was Buddhism, but it, it also had a, um, a tie-in to um, ancient Chinese uh, mythology. It's the three monkeys. You know, the see no evil, uh, hear no evil, speak no evil monkeys? Yeah. And also Japanese, the the monkeys were popular by uh, popularized by a shrine in Japan. Um, here's what I found out. Do you know why they're monkeys? Why? It's because the shrine in Japan made them as monkeys, and the reason that they made them as monkeys because when you say um, uh, the the do not see not and uh, say not in Japanese, it uh, it's a pun on the word monkey. So it's all like Saru. It's all, it's all like a main. It's yeah. I think Saru is a uh, is also the or it rhymes with the word for monkey. <laughs> it's like it's oh, really Saru, Saru is the word for monkey. If I if I remember what little Japanese I ever learned properly. Y yeah, that's that's right. Um, it's a it's a glyph. It's you know how they do the puns where it's a glyph that's pronounced the same but you know drawn differently. That's it. That's yeah. the reason they're monkeys. Is someone made a, a stupid joke uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Okay, so Servo offers that it's been 159 days since the last episode with, of Maps with Matt. I am making a note of this so we can start sticking it back into the... Oh, here we go too. Servo with the... Uh, Servo keeps bringing in the goods today. Yeah. Oh, today is the 159. Yeah, I... So then that would mean it's, it's been... A hundred, yeah, 108. Okay, yeah. We, we, we've been over this. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I, I'm an idiot. I am an idiot. I'm just putting it out there. I'm an idiot. Yay! You know, you know what? Um, there was also a fourth monkey. Oh, 
So it was uh, see no evil, hear no evil, say no evil. There was, and so the monkeys. Here I thought there were 13 of them. Uh, well, in this case, there's four. And the first one's covering his eyes and it's see no evil. And the second one's covering his ears, it's hear no evil. The other's covering his mouth, say no evil. The third one's do no evil. And he's covering his balls. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> there's the fourth one. I don't have, I wish I had a proper, like, a proper clip for the, uh, for the, what's it called? Damn it, I, yeah, my brain's not working today. Ah. I don't know why. I think it's the heat. All right, I'm going to drink some beer, and maybe that'll make your brain start working. Mm. I, I I will take your advice and have some more of my cider. <sighs> well, while we're on podcasts <sighs> and, and other things, we had um, Grumpy Old Ben said they're episode 166. Always press record. That was earlier this week. And uh, there's a little tie into local news. They, Darren O'Neill always does the... Um, Number of people killed and wounded, uh, presumably by shootings. In uh, I think he says specifically, yeah, shot or shot and killed by shootings uh, in Chicago. And I went and compared it to Baltimore just for um, the purpose of I don't know uh, putting these two numbers. Maybe I had numbers on the brain. That's why I'm doing all these statistics. And so this year uh, Chicago had about 266 homicides. That's not shootings. Apparently they have a lot more shootings than they have homicides. Uh, that's usually the case, actually. The uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, Baltimore had uh, year to date uh, 118, so it's not quite on Chicago level, but there's a there's a lot going down there too. It's about half, I suppose, a little less than half. Yeah, it just means that there's been there's just been like 41 short of a of a kill a day. Yeah. Yeah, and they had a big shooting at um, it was Fell's Point. It's like the the party district in uh, in Baltimore. I mean, I've been there. Um, I think that's the neighborhood where um, Megyn Kelly used to live, if I remember correctly. It's like the the ritzy kind of thing. The clubs are down there, and the it's like where the the cool bars and the cool uh, restaurants. Where they're are. bringing sexy back. Oh yeah, and uh, they had a, a shooting where there's like someone like right next to the police station was just shooting people. It's, come on. So they're uh, they're trying to figure out who that was and make sure it doesn't happen again. We'll see what happens. I don't want to go into too much local news today, so maybe we'll just leave it for that. I'll, I'll bring in some Baltimore news. Uh, I don't know, maybe next month. Oh, Fletcher brought the goods on the on the drum hat, apparently. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah, that's the. Uh, yeah, that's not what I was asking for, Fletcher. But thank you. I will make use of this. You can try um, instantrimshot.com. I think that works. Yeah, I think it does, doesn't it? Yeah, try that one. That's a little soundboard. It has a big button in the middle. First, I'm uh, first. I'm saving this one. Yeah. And then I will instant rim shot. Except that my keyboard's not in the right place to do that. Well, just move your no, hands Fletcher, over. No, Not instant rim job. Instant rim shot. <laughs> well, I'm going to this website. Wait a minute. Oh, no, it's not .com. Instantrimjob.com. Instant. This is where they come up and clean your tires uh, for you, isn't it, Fletcher? Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, okay, just checking. <laughs> hey, it worked. <laughs> yeah, it did. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, just to round things up, yeah, thank you, Fletcher. You had a... Uh, who had a uh, Hog Story episode 190, The Pampered Chef, and that's... Uh, that's one I got a little bit into. I'm going to be traveling this week, so I'll pick some of these up later. And uh, Nick the Rat has uh, Deep June Sea number 285. That was last Wednesday, so I don't have insight. Nick in the Rat is on Hog Story tomorrow. Yeah. 
we can put these two together then. That's got to be a fun show. Nick the Rat, every time he's on an interview, it's always phenomenal. He's, um... Yep. I want to promote him on this show every time I can, and I think that's why I include him, even though I can't, I don't, I don't even know what he does on his show until after he does it. But there's, I, there's no definitive way of, of ranking podcasts by popularity or anything like that. But in the, the little few ways I've looked, his, his show is surprisingly popular, and, uh, at least among some of the, the reporting mechanisms. And when I say, I shouldn't say surprisingly, like it sounds like it's a bad show or something. It's like, I really like his show and everyone should listen to it. But then I saw the numbers and said, holy shit, it look, looks like he's, uh, it, if you make a tier of all the shows around us, wow, he's kind of like near the top there. You know, he's, uh, yeah. I wonder how many hits he well, actually it's because gets. because he's the Art Bell of podcasts. It, and he's been doing it, you know, every week for such a long time, too. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a solid show. It's great. It's a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. If I didn't have to work on Thursdays, I would stay up for the live recording. <laughs> yeah. I used to work, I must have said this on the show before, but I used to some years ago work um, a later shift, and I was also in times two time zones over, so that helped too. And uh, I would always catch the first two hours of his show every single night at work. And that was great. Nice. Uh, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What do we got on the rundown? You want to bring something to the... You got any news? Any sure, stories? We, have, we, haven't, we have not actually talked anime in weeks. I think the last time we actually had an anime segment on our show was like two weeks before we had Meet Us. Hmm. So... Something I came across, so, there was something I came across, and I, I sent it over to you when I saw it, because I was thinking, wow, this is uh, pretty wild, and we're both watching this show, I wonder if you'd be interested. And then, I was like, hey, maybe I should bring this up on the show, and then, funny enough, it, you had just completely copied what I pasted to you into your notes, so... Well, yeah. Same, yeah, you know, great minds think alike and all that shit. I, I, I did just uh, copy your link from Skype. I, I didn't come up with this on my own. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is from 86, which is an anime that we're, I, I publicly say that I'm watching, even though I haven't watched an episode in a long time. Uh, and this I've is, been watching every episode almost as quickly as they've been coming out. I picked up and read through the first volume of the light novel had a bit of fun acquiring it because amazon won't provide you with the first volume in paperback anymore it's it's kindle or bust so fuck Uh, amazon oh fuck those guys yeah fuck those guys i when i when i order a book i want a goddamn book i don't want some fucking file that goes on a machine that they can delete on me whenever they fucking feel like it i want a goddamn book dead trees in my fucking hands hmm. and i think i i think i ranted about this uh last week as well maybe yep um well actually i don't know I, it's come up before let me put it that way I know I definitely ranted about it re- recently. Now I know. But anyway, so so one of the things with one of the the main characters, uh, Shin Nozen, is that a lot of the times when you see him off of the battlefield, he's reading something. And what and kind so, of thing is he reading? So the people who the people who handle this uh, this fan wiki for the show 
actually figured out the books that he has been reading in the manga and in the anime. And I've got the list right here. Starting with All Quiet on the Western Front by Eric Maria Remark. Yeah. Second Variety by Philip K. Dick. And that's a really that's a really good choice given the subject matter of uh, of this series. Hmm. If, have you have you read Second Variety? I, I read a couple of Philip uh, Dick novels, but not Second Variety. Okay, it's not a novel. It's actually one of his short stories. Well, it's more novellicized, to be honest. It actually got turned into a movie filmed up here in Canada called Screamers. Oh, I think I've heard of that. I didn't see it, yeah. but I, I've heard of it. Yeah, a pretty interesting film, actually. Uh, they... They, like, started with the source material and twisted it, like, to the same level that they did with uh, taking We Can Remember It For You Wholesale into Total Recall. Yep. But they kept the, they kept the core and, like, the main, the main like, uh, not subjects, but, you know, like, the theme of the story in the movie. So it's... I've seen parts of it, and what I saw was pretty good. And the, the story itself, like, it definitely... You should find yourself a copy and read it. Hmm. But what it's about is like, it's like Earth in the final stages of this war between the East and the West, where where like the West has created these autonomous killing machines, and they're protected themselves from these things by these special tabs that are supposed to make the make these things stay away, but. They've not only been, not only have they been built autonomously, but these things also had the ability somehow to make improved versions of themselves. And that plays a big part in how the story turns out. And I don't want to spoil it for you because it is really good writing of his, but there are definitely some, there are definitely some similarities between these things and the Legion in 86 so definitely definitely one you should pick up and read as you keep watching the show i just i just reread uh just before we get off uh, philip k dick i just reread um what's it called ubik that uh that story yep, that's, that's kind of novella length and that one is uh just fascinating to get through it when you the first time i read it it was a good book and then after kind of knowing what's going on and reading it again it's still fun it's one of those you could you can get back through you know yeah, he's good. Great writer. Philip K. Like Dick him. honestly is is one of my favorite sci-fi authors of all time. Hmm. Him and Neil Stevenson. Now Stevenson, I never. I feel like we've been over this I before. Don't, I don't like it that much. Neil Stevenson is an acquired taste. I I get that. I like. Anyway, continuing oh, on. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, if I may continue on, because those are only two of the various different things that Shin has been reading or quoting. Throughout the series. Next one on the list. Yeah, I'm going to continue with the rundown. The Mist by Stephen King. Takase Bune by Mori Ogai. I don't know what that one is. It's It's, Japanese literature, uh, I suppose. Yes. Uh, Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. Ah, (laughs) Yeah. The Bible. Specifically quoted by him in the light novel 
And in the anime, if I remember correctly, a line from the Exorcism of the Gerasene Demoniac, which is present in the Gospel. Now you now you recognize why this would be this would be a reference in the in this series, right? You're gonna have to spell it out for me because I'm not following. My name is Legion, for we are many. Hmm. No. No. I, I no, mean, uh, what's, what's it relate to the plot on the? Now le- keep in mind that I only publicly say I watch this show, and I don't really. <laughs> well, because Legion is many. It's not one, but but a whole horde of demons, just like the Legion dr- drones in in the show and the light novel. Okay. Anyway, one to one for you to look up, I guess. More research for you to do. I gotta watch the last two. The last two here is a anti-war poem from World War II called "Thou Shalt Not Die" by Akiko Yasano. And the final one, The Principles of Quantum Mechanics by Paul Dirac. Yeah. One of these things is not like the others. <laughs> one of these things is just not the same. Yeah, this is... Um... Now, I've actually read some Dirac. I didn't read uh, Principles of Quantum Mechanics. Um, I, the way, from what I've read of him uh, in other papers that he's published... Um, where he's discussing, you know, di- basically different aspects of quantum mechanics. I'm not sure I would want to read a book by him because it's pretty uh, hard to get through. Dry. Uh, yeah, compared to there's other authors like the fucking that fucking Sahara. Now he did he did some great stuff where he figured out like the quantum theory of radiation in, in a way that made some sense. And I was trying to read that in his own words, and it's just it doesn't come out. Um, Compared to other people, you you know, like J.J. Thompson was the guy who discovered the, uh, that he, he was the first one to make a really good argument that the electron was a particle. And when you read his paper, it's like he's just explaining what's going on. He doesn't, uh, it's not 20 pages long or 40 pages long and full of all this other stuff. He, it's just him in his own words. He describes what he does and his reasoning and, and that's it. And, and there's math in it and other things, but the um the quality of the paper from from some of these other guys is is great and i'm sure paul paul Dirac's work is great he's just i wouldn't want to read a book by him you know it was, yeah it was, I, I get that he doesn't think the way uh, sometimes there's an author where uh, if you're reading scientific papers or you're reading i don't know like anything technical if you find an author who's who just describes something in, in the same way that you think about it, you say, oh, great, this, you know, then you want to read all his stuff because he's explaining stuff, or, or her, I guess. You know, they explain something in a way that you can understand it. And so Paul Dirac doesn't, apparently he doesn't think the way that I do, because when he writes, it's like reading French, you know, yeah, to me. To be sure, there are other people who do think like he does. Mm. And you say, speaking French, if I'm not mistaken, he was French. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Um, could be uh, it. But you know. know what? That's this isn't his only connection to anime. Oh yeah, they, he's he's shown up because of the quantum physics. At any time you need, I'm not a, even uh, thinking that. You know, you know how I first, how, what made how I first heard about Paul Dirac. I'm gonna make a wild was, guess and say Evangelion. Yes. 
<laughs> because that was the show where they they put in like all this Judeo Christian imagery and quantum imagery. Like they would reference yeah, and a bunch there's of a random Dirac shit. C, which is just a which is just a mathematical conceit used for used for some of the math in his physics in Evangelion it's and it becomes this actual thing in an episode of Evangelion they have uh they have this they actually admitted um Hideki Anno admitted on his uh some interview where they said yeah you put all this this mystic stuff and quantum physics stuff you've got all these references inside and they basically said yeah, we thought this sounded cool, so we just put it in. <laughs> they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. It's like, how come when how come when the angels explode? First, they're called angels, but when they explode, they explode in giant crucifixes. And it's well, we just we thought the imagery was cool. And meanwhile, there's people looking for all this deep meaning inside this shit. There are people who have written fucking like theses, yeah. <laughs> like actual like academic papers on like the deep meanings of this show. <laughs> Meanwhile, you you ask the guys who actually produced it, and it's like, yeah, yeah, Eno was depressed, and the rest of us were just pulling whatever we heard of out of our asses, yeah. and we just threw it, <laughs> we just threw it all together, and somehow it sold. There is an anime podcast, Otaku Generation, back in, I don't know, 2005, and oh. they had a story, a guy wrote, I remember this letter, someone wrote a letter to the show, they read it on the podcast, and they said, yeah, I showed my my uh, my preacher at, at my church, you know, I, I lent them the DVDs of Evangelion, <laughs> and he watched it, and then he started, like, said, wow, this is pretty good, he's he did like a sermon where he kept mentioning it. He was like, oh, well. So, yeah, people read a lot into this stuff. and it's it, Way too much. Yeah. Which is, which is why my favorite bit of Evangelion fandom work has been, has been that, uh, that crossover with 40K, where Shinji is the emperor. Uh, I even because see that. Because that's, so, that's just so fucking balls to the wall, right? <laughs> that it's like... Yeah, this fits in with the sort of, like, actual craziness that was involved in creating Evangelion itself. So th this actually resonates with me a lot more than all this, like, spiritual shit that people get into about the show. And now that we're talking about kaiju, I am drinking a shot of Kraken Attacks. Mmm. Right out of the bottle, the way it's meant to be done. <laughs> the way it's meant to because be done. Because my, my glasses are over there, so it's, uh, I guess this is what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pacific Rim, when I went to see Pacific Rim, I went with a friend that we were... I, he was a little bit of an anime fan, not quite, you know, as, as read in as the rest of us, but... Uh, um, but we were watching this. Oh shit! It's Evangelion. They're just referencing Evangelion. Every other fucking thing. And then Godzilla. We saw Godzilla together too. You know, they have all the, just the the subtle little things. Like they frame a shot that looks like a famous shot from Evangelion. Stuff like that. Ah, it's great. It's such Dude, an the last time show. the last time I was at uh, Anime Expo on the return <clears throat> flight, they had the sequel to Pacific Rim on the uh, in-air entertainment system. Mm. And I watched at least some of it. Ridiculous, but I mean, one of those things where you shut off your mind for two hours and you're gonna have a hell of a fun time. Yeah, oh, this. You know, I was watching. Um, th this is an unintended segue, but I was actually watching uh, some kaiju movies. 
Yeah, I noticed you had something I, in your notes about Cloverfield. I was, I was. I haven't guys, seen the, I haven't seen the Cloverfield yeah, stuff. So, so I had, I had feel never, free to spoil me though. I had, yeah, I'm gonna spoil them all. Don't worry. <laughs> the first movie was 2008, and, and honestly, I don't. There's no spoiler. <laughs> what can you say about Cloverfield that everyone doesn't already know? Um, I watched all three of the movies. My first, the first thing that I noticed was that there were three movies, and I didn't even know that. <laughs> Uh, I'm, actually, here we go. Second beer. Um, so the first movie was 2008. And that was the shaky cam movie J.J. Abrams did with uh, it's the 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 movie opens with a guy's um, filming his girlfriend that is in a their swanky Manhattan apartment and and uh, oh yeah I borrowed my brother's video camera and the whole thing's framed like it's recovered footage after an accident like the Dio this is a big secret like Blair tape. Witch Project yeah it's yeah. Blair it's Blair Witch Project and and but with kaiju but with kaiju and you know and then the next 25 minutes are like watching a bunch of basically assholes at a party and, uh, like an insta super Instagram ready uh, party set um, just basically be dicks to each other and, and you, you know, have melodramatic problems that they can't work out, you know, I guess because <laughs> despite being adults, it's re it's really retarded. It's the first 20 movie, 20 minutes of the movie really suck. But once it gets going, it actually turns into a kind of fun flick where you have, um, you know, the something's going on. There's some monster and you get sh little little glimpses of it going between the buildings off in the distance. And parts of it get kind of scary. And they're, you know, walking into the electronics store and they see the news coverage on the screen and they're like, whoa, that's right happening right behind him. You know, it's like so it was a great um, I, I won't say it was a like a greatest of all times kind of movie, but it was a good effort. And this is coming right out of the J.J. Abrams era where he was doing um what was the show lost and so yeah. the background for the movie back, is that back, when, back when he was doing his own material instead of ruining other people's so let's get to that um the first cloverfield movie he they just produced it was secret and we don't want anyone to know what it is because it's jj you can't see the monster it's lost you know it's the same bull show me the damn monster you know that kind of thing yeah, what the what the <laughs> fuck? It's it's a monster, not John Cena. Yeah, they had Okay, anyway, um Cloverfield is uh, is kind of a fun movie on its own, but in 8 years later, in 2016, they did 10 Cloverfield Lane. Have you seen a trailer for that or heard of that one at all? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it or its trailer. That it's a completely different movie, and the reason it's a completely different movie is because it wasn't supposed to be a Cloverfield movie. What happened was someone wrote a script, and I think it was called Underground or In the Bunker or something like that, about a um, a woman who gets abducted, and she's stuck in the underground bunker, and the guy says, yeah, there's been an attack. The, the air is toxic. You can't come out, uh, and, uh, so you've got to stay down here, and if you open the door, you'll kill us all. Okay. And she's not sure if he's bullshitting her or trying to trick her so she doesn't escape. And, they're, and you know, as time goes on, she's, it starts becoming unclear is wait a minute maybe he is telling the truth and, and it's very uncertain and what they what jj abrams did is they liked the script and they shoehorned some clover just like two percent of cloverfield stuff into it so it's it's a very solid script on its own it's a great movie actually 
um, starring. Here's here's what I noticed about the cast. It has the guy who played um, St. Jimmy in the Green Day musical. Uh, the, uh, the, there was the, a Green Day musical? Yeah, American Idiot on stage, the musical. Uh, it was the guy who played St. Jimmy was in it, and he plays uh, some low IQ, um, uh, I don't know, uh, bumpkin type who helped he helped build the bunker and then he i knew something was wrong so he had to fight his way to get in okay and he, and he actually turns into a really cool uh really interesting character as he's kind of being pulled back and forth between his two to his his loyalty to the guy who runs the bunker and the girls trying to you know talk some sense into him very good drama the other thing was it was john goodman john goodman plays the the uh the prepper <laughs> oh, and he, he's fucking great, actually. And I would, I'd say Cloverfield is kind of like a three. Ten Cloverfield Lane is like a four and a half. I this was surprisingly good. Um, so definitely, it, it's in guilty pleasure range. Oh, obviously, it, this is this was one where, despite it being called Cloverfield, and despite knowing it was J.J. Abrams, and despite kind of knowing what was going on, I was still at the edge of my seat going. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. Wait a minute. Is this real or not? You know, and it has these great moments where it, it's it screws with your head and it's screwing with the characters heads and they react to that. It, and so I, I'm not going to say shit about this movie other than the premise. I think you should all go watch it. It is excellent. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, all right. Yeah. The third one, I, I'll only say uh, briefly something about it. It was a Netflix special. Um, Netflix. Yeah, I, original. Think I think you just said it all right there. Yeah, it was another script J.J. Abrams, uh, someone else wrote, they picked it up and they said, well, here's a script about, you know, guys in a space station and they have a particle accelerator. It's really low tier, low, I guess soft sci-fi sounds too pleasant. It, it was, you know, we were talking about, like, we know who the Paul Dirac is, right? It is, they're in a space station, there's no gravity, okay, I can give up, I can give up on that. They go outside the space the space station they're spacewalking and there's gravity you know it, it, it's so they completely yeah, so give up the on core it. level it's the core yeah that's it it's the core they have um you know the particle accelerator in space they're gonna use a higgs boson to create unlimited energy like the, <laughs> every time anyone says anything about the whole the whole the spaceship Fuck. you man you just ain't the higgs boson i just fucking lost it uh, mid-sip thank they, you very much they they had the thanks. Um, thanks. I needed the cider to go down the wrong way. They have a gyro in the the. They can't find out where the space station is because they need this gyro in the middle of the like. Which <laughs> what the star, gyro does is I don't know something with the star tracker on the ship. So anyway, the gyro disappeared. Whoa! When we turned on the accelerator, the gyro disappeared. There's only one of them, and it's this funky crate. It looks like a basketball that you know with the that spins around or something like that. It's like. This is okay, the, I can this is I can just see need. the I can just see the executives right now. I can just <laughs> closing my eyes, I can see them in a boardroom asking, how can we make a movie as stupid as the yeah, core? This but is, in space. It, and so this is the critical part for the ship, but we don't have a spare. And meanwhile, what does it do? No one's sure. Somehow it lets them look at the stars. Meanwhile, they're all fucking astronauts, and they can't recognize the constellation. Like, you look out the window of the space station, I can see, oh, there's a constellation or whatever. You know, it's it's like, we can't tell where we are. It's like, what are you talking about? Oh, my God. 
What are you talking about? Oh my you god, know, this is this is I I feel dumber for having heard of this movie. It, it is I award Netflix zero points and may God have mercy on their souls. It's in the two star range just because it's really bad. <laughs> it sounds like it should be negative two stars. Jesus <laughs> Christ. So and uh I aside from that movie, I think the the trend of picking up random scripts, like what you need to, what J.J. Abrams needs to do is just pick another fucking random script. Like, pick a sports movie or something, you know? Like, any, <laughs> we'll do any given Wednesday, and it'll be about a lacrosse league, okay? And we'll call it the the Cloverfield Goal or something. And, and you know, shoehorn Clovey into it. No. This is what they... No, 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 no. You know, you know what it's going to be? You know what it's going to be? There's gonna be there's gonna be nine of them next time. <laughs> yeah. And there's gonna be a baseball diamond. It's gonna it's gonna be Cloverfield <laughs> in the outfield. Woo. Oh my god. It's the Kaiju League. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Kaiju League baseball. Awesome. Coming Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's something Vince McMahon could get behind. When, when he's when he's not busy when he's not busy fucking with the lives of uh, of the faces in the WWE, the lives of the faces or the faces. It's me, Austin. Yeah, there you go. It was me the whole time. You bought it. My family bought it. <laughs> you all bought. <laughs> ah, that's good stuff. One of the only one of the only moments in uh, professional wrestling that I actually know and enjoy because it was just so fucking over the top kind of shit that he does. Like, yeah. well, no, that's not the only thing. I I do also remember when like Donald Trump beat him up. Yeah. Okay. That was um. Was that a WrestleMania? That was a WrestleMania. That was a WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah. There was the other one that I think of is how, how many how many presidents of the United States of America <laughs> yeah. are like WWE Hall of Famers yeah. getting in a fist fight in the, on TV. That was great. <laughs> that was um, of course that was that was before he was president. But yeah, that was uh, that was pretty wild. They had um, uh, the other moment that I think of is Hornswoggle. Have we talked about Hornswoggle before? I don't think we've talked maybe about I, Hornswoggle. I talk about, maybe I was talking with Fletcher about it. I, can, I remember bringing it up sometime. Hornswoggle's the midget wrestler, and he shows up, and he his story is he's been living under the ring for his whole life um, in, in secret, but he's actually Vince McMahon's illegitimate child, and he comes out, and he just beats everyone up. Hornswoggle. <laughs> they, and they had, um, they made, he, they made a leprechaun movie with him. Uh, you know, the like the Leprechaun films? They made one for WWE Films actually produced a remake of Leprechaun starring Hornswoggle. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, <laughs> it was great. He was a, another fan favorite kind of, kind of guy. They were, they, were some, they were some corny horror flicks. Oh, yeah. Not as bad as Troll and Troll 2, mind you. <laughs> Did you ever see that? Um, they're eating her, and then they're going to eat me! Did you ever see the um, that foreign film? What was it? Norwegian? Um, was it the Troll Hunter? No, I haven't heard of it. Oh, uh, it's one of these. Um, I would say so bad as good. It's like a really offbeat. So you go. What was the name of it? Was it Troll Hunter? 
Anyway, so they're out. Um, the, these it's not, actually it's another found footage movie where they it's a group of college students and they're really up. They're, they they think there's a bear poacher and they're going to go out and camp in the woods and find the bear poacher. Troll hunter is the name of it. Uh, yeah, it is Norwegian. And so they go out and they, they, they spot a guy, and it looks like he's uh, he might be the bear poacher. And so they're, they're trying to do a documentary. They're going to trap him. And uh, and what what they find out is that uh, he's he's like the wildlife manager for the trolls. And, and the trolls are Norwegian trolls. They're like the, they're kaiju. The badass trolls. They're, they're um, you know, 20, 30 stories high kind of trolls. And they have it has all this bullshit. It's like the... Uh, the electric grid, you know, with the uh, the high voltage lines. Well, yeah. if you plot them on a map, you notice they don't go anywhere. That's because they're not for high voltage transmission. That's the electric fence that keeps the trolls in. You know, that's just stupid <laughs> shit. That's a that's a fun foreign film. It's all uh, it's all in Norwegian. If you were to get one, troll hunter. All right, I'd say I'd say we need to dig ourselves out of this hole. But you actually have something about sinkholes. Yeah, yeah. So let's segue over to that. Yeah, speaking of, uh, I, I guess, another foreign news, we've had, um, there was a story about sinkholes that I saw that were happening in uh, in Turkey, or I'm sorry, in, uh, hold on, where, what is the town no, name? No, you're right, Turkey. Ta- I can't pronounce it. Tashingangdagu. I can't, <laughs> can't say it. They, I'm, they, tr- I'm looking... I'm looking through the article trying to find the Oh, that's his name. I'm sorry. Name. That's not the place name. Yeah. That's his name. Um, I, I couldn't find a great story about it um, because they, what they would do is they'd have a couple different um, articles that I, that I went through. They'd just have some pictures and nothing. But UK, it's not even Yahoo Finance. It's the UK Yahoo Finance site actually had a really good rundown on it. And, mm-hmm. and some decent pictures. Yeah, I, I put one in the show notes. The uh, I guess I'll link this for the uh, chat room so they can see what we're talking about. It's a it's a long story, but there's a slideshow of pictures at the front. So they have sinkholes that show up whenever there's a drought, and it seems like yep. what's what's happening is whenever the um, whenever the water table goes down because the you know and the water table cycle from what I understand doesn't exactly follow the rain cycle. It's a couple of years out of it's a couple of years delayed. Um, but yeah. what happens is if you have enough droughts in a row, then the water table falls down and the um, some of these underwater or underground kind of caves just collapse and they turn into these circular holes in the ground. They're really big holes. The picture I put in is like you can see a car parked next to it and they they've put up. A it's fence not a car. It. That's a, that's like an SUV. That's like a I that might actually be. A Nissan Rogue, mm. like mine, with the sunroof. With the big, big uh, sunroof, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that thing, that thing is fucking dwarfed. You could, you could probably stack. Uh, looking at that picture, you could probably stack ten of them for, on on each other to go from like what looks to be the bottom, if that is the bottom in the picture, yeah, to it's... the top. And it's broad enough that you could, like, you could fit a fucking parking lot in there. You can just see, you can count, like, the stratified layers of all the, the different kinds of... Of the uh, soil, yeah. The soil, yeah. That's, it's pretty wild. It is really deep. And so they had a professor, though. Um, I won't try and pronounce his name. Here's what I learned from the article that, that I didn't... From Yahoo that I didn't learn anywhere else. Fatula Eric. Fatula Eric, okay. Is... 
they counted 600 sinkholes um, in the Konya Plain, wherever that is. And he runs the sinkhole research center at the Konya Technical University. But okay, so they have 600 of these sinkholes all over the place. He says, well, it's double. They usually have 350, it sounds like. Previous years, they had 350, he says. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. so I guess they have sinkholes all the time, and I've just never heard of it. So, to follow up on this, there's a there's a Turkish guy that I've been talking to when I see him in uh, in town. He, sh- he shows up at this little bar across the street once in a while, and I'm going to see if I can, next time I see him, I'm going to ask him about this. He's like, man, tell me about the sinkholes. Tell me about the Turkish sinkholes. Let's see what he says. So if I see him, I, I might have a follow-up report on this, but it's just interesting. Yeah, and these, these pictures are crazy. Well, you know, we've I've seen stuff like this in Canada as well. There have actually been a number of places in Quebec and Ontario that have had to been abandoned and everybody who lived in the area moved out well, because that... of because of sinkhole activity as well. And the... yeah, like these things, these things like you might not even realize it and then like the next day Half half the village is down a hole because because of dropping water tables, and you wouldn't you wouldn't have even realized it the day before. Though the thing is, like they actually have because this is an ongoing problem in Turkey. They actually have people who are constantly like researching this stuff out here. Like nobody really nobody really bothers except in certain areas where they're is a history and we now do actually put in resources to keep people from living there and then waking up one day dead and buried at the bottom of a hole yeah it makes you want to get like a gpr team to go all around your property and make sure there's no sinkholes that are going to show up but like a ground penetrating radar guys who can according, uh, according to according to certain online mapping services underneath my very property is an underground stream that comes above ground just short of the creek nearby here. Okay. Fortunately, it is. I've seen the flow that this thing's supposed to have, and I would think that if it did dry up and the ground settled, I might have, like, a hole the size of my foot somewhere in my backyard. And probably not because of the trees holding up all the soil as well. Hmm. But... When you've got, like, water tables like that, and you're draining them the way they've been doing for all their farming and everything, and then you have these droughts, yeah, you are in for a world of hurt. There's another issue when we're talking about water tables. I mean, we had in Colorado, the area that I was in had a lot of problems with changing water tables. Um, They built a whole mall, and some buildings that were adjacent to the mall. And the mall itself is still open, but what happened is after a couple years after building the thing, they noticed that the, the whole, it was sinking. And that's because in that area in Colorado, um, they weren't drilling down and putting the fin- foundation on bedrock because they couldn't, I don't know, they, they couldn't get that low. There was no bedrock to have. And so, yeah, instead of bedrock, you know, it was like really hard sand. And what happened was... When the water table was uh, was low, in this case, the water table was low, and uh, all that sand was fine. It was really hard sand, and they built the structure on top of it. And then when the water table went back up a couple years later, um, the, some of the sand liquefied, 
and became soft instead of really hard sand in it. And the building started sinking it, it, sideways. It quicksand. It turned to underground quicksand, essentially. It, well, it was more like slow sand because we're talking about over the course of years. And there, like, there was a lab I worked at where we had a, a big deal about it was that we had this really level. It was supposed to be everything was in precision alignment. It was a big concrete slab, you know. That was supposed to be isolated for the building and everything. And what happened was that part of the building started sinking and they had to, um, they, and so literally we had, it was like a giant lab, giant, you know, like a high bay. And then there was a slab on it that was isolated and it had a like expansion compound between it. And then you could take measurements. You could look over, like I was on the ground, you know, with a, a ruler and we're watching the thing at the, at the rubber expansion joint between it, like change direction and change level and everything. Holy crap, what's going on? So it was it was happening it was happening at speeds that you could like just sit there and actually observe it. No, no, That's... we're we're talking about every six months uh we got the rulers out and made uh made some surveys. Okay. Okay. You know? And you look at the history and you say, wow, wow, this thing keeps moving. <laughs> this is no good. So here's what they did. They actually had to drill down underneath the building um and they uh they had to put some supports and they jacked it up one day. Yeah. They actually installed these if things. You they could lifted see that the movement whole building in up. real time. Yeah, they would have they would have evacuated the building and yeah. like, condemned it. So here's the solution, though. It was all um, it was all water draining. They had to dig a big pit, and they had to set up um, water uh, drains that would go and basically turn this pit, which is way off to the side, just a little bit downhill. It's going to be a a, a pond, and they and so they can kind of drain some of the groundwater down to there. The second problem you have is now the electrical grounds in the building uh, don't work anymore. What they, they thought about this, right? This was another challenge that happens with uh, groundwater and everything. You usually want safety ground in your house, right? Well, the safety ground is yeah. going out to some buried line. If, it, if it's an industrial building, usually you have a ring around the building, which is one piece of uh, basically wire, copper wire, a big, big bus wire. And that the ground, safety grounds in the building all tie to and the the conductivity between that uh, wire and the actual soil depends on how damp it is. And if it dries up, the conductivity goes down. So uh, yep. maybe your safety ground doesn't work <laughs> anymore. Okay. We've been talking about geoengineering shit. It's, you know, it's, it's an interesting it, it's thing. It's interesting yeah. shit. It might it might not be our listeners thing, but it's definitely interesting. Hey, if and, you don't if you don't like this and stuff, in we an talk emergency, about. this knowledge could save your life. So what they're doing in, in, in I hope uh, you stomped for that because that sounded pretty cool. I in, think in in Turkey they're trying to get a um, a project where they want to take the groundwater that's basically like the underground streams that they think are going to go out to the sea. They're trying to basically redirect all of the underground streams so they get retained in the farm areas, and that's their geoengineering yeah. project, which uh, only Yahoo told me about. It's very interesting. That it, that would be that would be a good project. It's it's fascinating. Like the idea that you're not just redirecting a stream, it's you're redirecting underground streams. Like how do you do that? That's a great great challenge. With underground dams. Oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> Those underground fish can uh can uh, you need an underground fishway for the fish? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Got to have that. Yep. And then of course, if you got that, you're also going to have to deal with the underground anglers. <laughs> I'll get my underground waders and wait it out. <laughs> oh, man. We're back to the mole people. We're back to... 
a mole's hole. There is no escape from the fortress of the mole people. <laughs> Except that. Yeah. All right. So how about some uh, how about some cicada news? I saw that you ha you actually took a measurement of how noisy they are. But did you hear about the plane? The plane? Tell well. There's tell a plane. Me a plane. Okay, so there is a plane that uh, full of reporters that is supposed to follow Biden out to Europe for him going out there to talk to the people. Out, like, you know, one of these political trips. I have an article for it. Where the hell is There it is. Yeah, so I'm going to just uh, copy and paste this link into the, into the chat room. This is the first I've heard of this, so... Uh yeah, so there was a seven-hour delay on the press charter on the White House press charter oh, to Europe because of the cicadas. Oh my god, I believe it! I completely believe this shit. The oh Delta A330's auxiliary power unit (APU), one of the multiple sources of electrical power to the aircraft cabin and other systems required to function properly for flight, was overwhelmed by cicadas. The airline said, "Delta had to dispatch a replacement aircraft and crew to Washington Dulles International Airport in response to the several cicadas." The journalists traveling to cover President Joe Biden's trip were delayed for six hours. Jeez. We apologize to our charter customers for this rarest of entomological delays, Delta said in a statement to ABC News. That's, um... Entomological delays. Uh, I mean, there are so many different ways to d for things to get delayed when you're going for a flight. Yeah. But I think this is the first time I've ever heard bugs, as in actual physical little winged motherfuckers, were the cause. They had, um, it's better than snakes. Let me put it that way. Uh, yeah. Did yeah. You, I, you don't want any, you don't want any motherfucking snakes on your motherfucking plane. Yeah. They had a, um, a story, uh, I saw and I didn't bring to the show, uh, but now I'm, I'm forced to, I didn't, I didn't realize this. They had a, a story that was in the New York post about, um, the, they have all these basically, um, Airplane set in standby. I guess they're uh, what do they call them on the story? They call them mothballed airplanes. So they're sit, they're hanging around, and they think they might activate them one day. But anyway, what happens is they're out in the middle of the desert, and the rattlesnakes like to hang out inside the plane, inside the wheel wells, and inside the tires and everything. And so whenever they want to do anything on the plane, they have to go and knock all the snakes out every time. That was what the the thrust of the story was. So I don't know. Yeah, those plane graveyards. I can imagine them being full of uh, rattlesnakes. Yeah. It's better than, you know, the cicadas, I don't know, it's been a couple weeks um, since they really got loud and really got annoying, and and I've, it's sort of like the stages of grief. I think I'm in the acceptance phase now, because what I have now is a broom that's on my patio, and every morning, I open my sliding door, and then I, I walk outside, and I just sweep the cicadas off into the grass, and uh, there's always just a ton of them there. I don't know where they, the damn things come from. And, you know, they're not very smart. Oh, I did I did have a thought about why, you know, the first guy who probably ate a cicada, you know, because we always talk about cooking the things, right, and eating them. Yeah. Well, you know, the first one to try it probably just yawned and one flew into his mouth. Because these things, that's what you they do. You must have been yawning pretty fucking hard because... 
Cicadas are not small. Well, they're... I mean, if you're yawning and one of those fuckers flies into your mouth, like, you gotta be, you gotta be, like, you gotta have, like, a mouth that's big enough to, like, fucking suck off a sewage pipe. <laughs> Let me see the stop. Um, the, uh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> they have a, uh... They have a tendency to just bumble around. Like, I've never seen a flying insect that I could outrun before. Except yeah, these they, things, you know, it's... Well, these things, they... they they're I dumb. mean, the only reason they come out of the ground in the first place is to fuck and die. They they fly that, into things, and then they fall they on their back, they so they live underground for most of their life, and then they, then they come above ground to find a mate... Have, have sex and leave a bunch of eggs for the next uh, generation 10 to 17 years down the road. Could you imagine a sinkhole opening and a bunch of cicadas flying out? Something oh my god! Gates of hell! <laughs> it would be! Holy fuck, that, that, that's like that's like fucking biblical shit, man. Uh, that's a plague. Oh wow, that's careful. Be careful of that one. So yeah, I made some measurements last weekend of the of the noise level. It was really loud. Um, the reason I was inspired to make the noise measurement is because I was listening to a podcast when I was on my porch. I had my phone volume all the way up, and I could not hear it. And then I turned the volume Damn. maximizer on. Uh, the in Podcast Addict, there's a um, a little switch you can hit to add a compressor to the uh, audio and to try and help it out. Still couldn't hear it. It was too loud to, to hear my uh, my podcast over the damn cicada. So I got my I went back inside and I have a little um, DBA uh, sound sound power meter, and I went and measured yep. it, and the value is 90, uh, 94.6 dBA. So it's it's not really sound power. It's you know a weighted sound power, but whatever. It's close enough. <laughs> Yeah, so the A isn't another isn't another unit that you're multiplying the decibels by. It's a modifier on the on the decibel unit itself. Yeah, it's uh it's the A weighting curve I think from the RIAA if I remember right. Um, it, it the idea <laughs> I don't know is rare encounter the place where I just go down rabbit holes and the and start talking about weird technical topics and instead of uh, hey, stories. we've done it before more times than I can count. The DBA meter is, uh, or the DBA, the the A weighting curve, I should say, is supposed to mimic the human hearing sensitivity. So it's a psychoacoustic curve, which is cool, I guess, if you're trying to figure out how loud something sounds to a person. It's not a very scientific measurement because it's not like what's the sound power here. Well, you know, it doesn't tell you that. Um, what it it has a special benefit, though, in that you can make a really cheap DBA sound meter, but you, if it wasn't A-weighted, it would be harder to make. It would be more expensive because one of the things it does is it rolls off all the bass and it rolls off uh, uh, some of these other frequencies. So okay. you can make a sound power meter with a cheaper microphone <laughs> if it's DBA and still be compliant. So uh, whatever. But you can get one for, I don't know, 30 bucks or something. It's not too expensive. Or twenty bucks if you want to if you want to buy like the cheap Chinese crap that'll stop working after three weeks. I think you could say twenty bucks with a blue job. Sucky sucky ten dollar. Oh fuck, that was racist of me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to hell. I'm Woo! going to hell. Oh uh, boy. Uh, what do we, what else do we have? Do we have any other stories? Um yeah, we've got some we've got some more stories. I, I got some stuff that's really 
computer science-y and nerdy that I can push off, but video games! Video games! So there's this thing that we've been pushing off we for a couple of weeks now that you had originally brought in about the top 10 most sold consoles of oh. all time, but... I came across something far more interesting. Oh, well, you know, thank you. It's more interesting in my story. Thank you. Um, consi considering that Nintendo created a patent that is full of uh, shit post, yes. Okay, tell me more. Okay, so I found this because of another because uh, of another article that I found that led me to this Kotaku article from uh, from last week. Ew. Nintendo patent looks like a giant shitpost. Mario struggles. Mario struggles. Same, Mario. Is same. That, is that like Tickle Me Elmo? <laughs> no, like, here, I'll, I'll put it into the I'll put it into the chat room and yeah, it's like, oh, so there's this patent that, where the images that come along with the patent <laughs> are like are all like shit post sort of thing. <laughs> Mario mo Mario moves in accordance with laws of motion. Yeah. Did Mario fall from cliff? <laughs> right, Mario falls. Yeah. Things like that. And and one that has like Mario going up along and down a pyramidal shape and the way the the picture that they use for Mario on that when I look at it, what I think of is uh, is Pop Team Epic. Okay. It's like, if the Cub drew Mario, this is probably how he would draw him. Boy. So the actual patent itself is also going to be in the show notes along this article. But yeah, it's like, you look at this, and yeah, it's like, wow, how has this not already been memed? This patent is from 1997. Is, is Mario in a gas-filled environment? Yes, Mario coughs. <laughs> so, is this patent a patent on if statements? What is this? I, I, <laughs> is this, a, is okay, this so, skip logic? They patented skip logic? All right, so United States patent 6,139,433. Miyamoto et al., so this is for Mario 64 is what the, the game this was related to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is totally related to Mario 64. And, uh, and yeah, like oh, yeah. A, bunch of the, a bunch of these pictures, like, taken out of context or even in context. It's like, wow, this looks like this looks like my memes. Yeah. And Carblanes has a nice catch that I'm probably going to have to stick in now as well. Any that she pulled off no. somewhere off of Gawker or off of uh, <laughs> Kotaku. Sure you can! That's go you think yeah, yeah, thank you, you Carblanes, that's going in the notes next. Well, whatever you do, show you can. And for the article that I originally that I originally came across and followed to its actual source from Video Games Chronicle, a Super Mario Kart hacker has restored Nintendo's official track editor. Huh. So this is for this is for Super Mario Kart on the on the Super Nintendo, so the one from like the one from like the early '90s before the N64 came out, and yeah, I mean like a lot of the games of the 16-bit era consoles had built-in uh, level editors or debug modes that the developers could use to actually do things like 
place objects in the maps. Um, I remember, yeah, I remember it's... with uh, Sonic Two actually using the debug the debug mode on the Death Egg Zone to give myself like a hundred rings so I could just supersonic through yeah. <laughs> the Metal Sonic fight and the final boss Robotnik fight because otherwise you start you start and you have no rings and there are no rings in death egg zone at all yep just metal sonic and you and then the death egg yeah yeah it well it wait. is not not the easiest even if even if you are good at uh, sonic 2 and have made it that far into the game if you have like the more lives you have at that point the better because i mean yeah. one little fuck up or one thing takes your attention away for a moment and that's it there you've lost a life and you've got to start again at the beginning of the zone and even if you've already beat metal sonic you'll have to beat him again yep that's right? the uh the the speed run sonic 2 speed runs they always die on the metal sonic fight for some reason mm -hmm. i don't know it's it's uh, i don't know well, let me ask you yeah. a question about sonic 2 though this is a lore question um okay when we talk about the death egg, the death egg, does that refer to the thing that Dr. Robotnik's in that you fight, you know, with the spiky hands and the jetpack? Or is the death egg the spaceship that you're fighting him on? The death egg is the space station. Okay, I just want to be clear, because when I was a kid, that's what we thought it was. We thought the death egg was the thing he was fighting in. I think um, someone told me I that believe Sega. I believe Sega called them both death egg, but... Given that Death Egg is also the space station that you see in Sonic Three and uh, SNK, that is what that is what is actually considered the Death Egg, and a lot of places these days just call that thing that Robotnik's in at the end <sighs> the Death Egg Mecca. Okay, the Death Egg Mecca. I got it. Yeah, and then on the um, launch base zone on Sonic Three, you get to see it, uh, and then you know jump. You, you get to go back onto it. Yeah, as it's taking off. You know, at do, least... Do, 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 at least do, 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 the Galactic Empire knew enough to build the thing in space instead of, like, building it in a gravity well and trying to launch it. Like, okay, Dr. well, Dr. first Robotic of all... I didn't think that was a okay, bad idea. The, de the Death Egg was originally in space. Until you defeat Robotnik when he's in the Death Egg Mecha, and then it goes plummeting down... And crashes on that floating island where Knuckles lives, right? So what's actually happening in Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles is Robotnik's repairing it so that he can get it back into space. Well, I, I thought he was building a new one. The old one blew up. No, he wasn't building a new one. He was repairing, he was repairing the crashed one. This changes everything. This... Like, how did you not know this? I don't know. Look, were I you, you were Sonic a Nintendo 2. kid, weren't you? You weren't a you weren't really a Sega kid. Hey, I, you were a Nintendo kid. I had Sonic Two, Sonic Three, Sonic Three, and Knuckles, and I beat them all. Okay, and okay. I don't remember there was no scroll I picked up that read this this story to me that you're telling this tale that you're spinning. This was not in the game. You're, why do you some think? Why theory. do you think Sonic and Tails headed to the floating island in the first place? Angel Island, because the yeah, well, Angel Island is where they landed. It's part of the floating island. Mm -hmm. Angel Island is just that first zone. Yeah, right. 
but they went there because the death egg didn't explode. It fell, it fell to Earth and crash landed. I thought they went there for the Chaos Emeralds. Not because there's, there's Sonic something already had the Chaos Emeralds until Knuckles beat him up and took them from him. Hmm. <laughs> I think you might remember he he jumped yeah, the he jumped off the plane yeah. went supersonic and then like Knuckles punched him so hard that he that he fell out of being supersonic and the knuckle and the and the emeralds fell around him. Uh, Knuckles this is, picked them up and bugged is, out. How do you go supersonic when he doesn't have any rings? You don't have any rings at the end of Death Egg Zone. It, because it wasn't, it was after Death Egg Zone already. He could uh, have picked them up on the way. Oh, there's just rings hanging out in the air. He's picking them out of the air. Hey, it's happened in enough zones. Do you think it, you think it couldn't be that way? I mean, how many times have you seen rings just like floating along in the middle of nowhere? They're they're like they're like everywhere. Wow, some serious like reservations about this bullshit. Hey, when you're in when you're in Doomsday Zone at the end of Sonic Three and Knuckles, why do you think there's a whole bunch of fucking rings just floating in the middle of a goddamn asteroid belt? <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> oh man, Doomsday Zone. I forgot that's what it's called. Yeah, and the only way to get there is to be able to turn into hypersonic. Yeah. Man, those Chaos Emeralds. They don't look... So, there's the Chaos Emeralds, and then there's the giant diamonds. Are those also Chaos Emeralds? They're like supercharged versions of the Chaos uh, Emeralds. Huh. And what you see, right? Right. So you collect all the Chaos Emeralds, right? As you travel through the zones in Sonic 3, right? And then after, after you make the Wait Death Egg crash back down... Onto onto the floating island, and you go into what's it, Mushroom Hill Zone. You don't get you don't right? get chaos you go emeralds into that, from You go into zone. that flashing ring, and then all your chaos emeralds are taken away and transported to Mystic Palace, right? And then you have to jump on each of them on those on those pillars that they appear on in order to recharge them, and then you can become you can become super or hypersonic. Hypersonic. Ugh. I don't know. I'm not a fan. Sonic, I like the games. I don't know what this lore stuff is. I fell off. I like the Sonic cartoon, which had uh, Jalal White. Which, had, which had, I, uh, I only like. I only actually. like the original. The original 16-bit lore. And so they. So you're a, a Doctor uh, Robotnik, not an Eggman guy. Well, I can accept Eggman. that he's also nicknamed Eggman because you play Sonic 2 and you do see like on that uh, on that flying battleship of his where you end up having to that having to like fight that laser that goes left and right. Yeah, that on the outside, there are things that say like Eggman dash zero one and stuff on it. Yes, I don't know. What do you think about Jim Carrey playing uh, Eggman, Dr. Eggman? I have not actually seen the the Sonic live action movie. Oh, you didn't? Should I? No, I didn't. Yeah, you should. I did not. You should. It's okay. fun. Um, uh, you'll appreciate the uh, the cameo stuff. Like the, mu <laughs> I don't want to spoil it at the end, but they. I will tell you that the mushroom zone from uh, from uh, Sonic from Knuckle. What was it? The you know the Sonic and Sonic Knuckles. Sonic and Knuckles. One. Yeah, that first zone with the fucking mushrooms. <laughs> it keeps showing up in the Boing. movie as it's a joke. Boing. Nice. And those, uh, those dragonfly things with the spiky tails. Oh, those things are fucking annoying. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. 
you got you got to time it just right, like when it's right reaching the top of its up and down path, because if you if you hit it just too late, part of that tail that'll that'll hurt. You hit that instead. So so okay, Sonic had on Sonic Three. You have an invisibility frame, right? If you do a double tap on jump. No, it's not an invisibility. It's, it's, it's a temporary, like, a, like one frame shield. It's yeah. So what's it? It's um. Have you ever made use of that? Because I could never do anything. Oh any yeah, shit of course I've made use of it. No, I could never get it to do anything for me. I mean, I'm always looking you, for the lightning again, shield. Again, like again, you jump, have right? to have like you have to have like perfect timing for it to be for it to be useful. And yeah, the I much prefer having the electrical shield because the double, double jump, jump and is just like. Yeah. And just like magneting up all the rings yeah. is so helpful. Sucking those babies up. Mm. Slurpy, slurpy. Oh, man. And what about, uh, like, well, we're on Sonic. Like, we might not talk about Sonic again. Uh, let's bring up all the trivia. What about Michael Jackson? Do we, you, we know about the Michael Jackson connection, right? <clears throat> yeah, except that he wasn't credited under his actual name and then re-releases of Sonic 3 on other platforms wouldn't use those tracks that he that's how you know that they were his because they they were only licensed to be used on the genesis yep so what we're talking about is michael jackson mj of uh the famous <laughs> he was a, he was the sonic the hedgehog fan and yeah and they got him to do some music for sonic 3 it, it even has samples of him in the in the song like when you listen to some of these things they have um you know, Michael Jackson making, you know, I forget what he says. Yeah, I think hey, there's a there's you know, sample. It's hard, it's hard to hear what he's saying because it's all low. Launch rate, base right? zone. The launch base zone music has samples of them. Yeah, it's great. And then they they uh, dropped his name because of uh, ongoing controversies right before it came out. So it was yeah. cool. I think didn't he have one in the what's the the stage that starts when you're uh, snowboarding? It was like ice cap, ice cap zone. Ice cap zone. Yeah, that had a good soundtrack too, and uh, I can't it remember did. if he was in that. That was one of my favorite songs on the whole thing. Ah, well, we could talk about music forever. We could, but we're not going to. No, no, no. Yeah, Sega Encounter. We're getting called. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Fletcher. Yeah, we like the Sega Genesis. Well, until next time, I've been Sonic. I mean, Abel Kirby. And I've been Knuckles. I mean, Cold Acid. Catch y'all later. Adios. I had a good woman. But she lay down, honey, and died. Oh, I had a good woman. But she lay down and died. Don't you know everybody tell me?